Welcome to the God is Able radio broadcast, a ministry of Old Savannah Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Austin Frady, and we thank you for joining us today on the radio. We would also like to take this time and invite you to come and be with us and experience the message of the gospel and the message of Christmas in our drive through nativity, the greatest gift given. It will be on the weekend of December the 6th and the 7th, and you can come through any time between the hours of 7 p.m. and 8.30 p.m. Bring your family, bring your children, bring Bring your youth group, bring your church, and experience what God can do for you. Now join us as we go to the Lord in prayer and as we begin in the message by a tree. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thankful for the opportunity to be able to minister by way of the radio. We thank you for giving us the opportunity, Lord, to be able to come into the vehicle and into the home and into the hearing of those that are listening today. God, you know the need of every person that will be by way of radio today. And Lord, I pray that you take what's said from the Word of God and use it to encourage their heart, use it to convict their heart, use it to challenge their heart. Lord, I pray that if there be one that has never been saved, God, they come to know you today before for it's eternally too late. Lord, I pray if there's one that is discouraged, down and out, and distraught and defeated, Lord, may you light that fire in their soul once again for the sake of Christ. And Lord, we love you and we honor you and praise you. And all that you do, we'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. In the garden of Gethsemane I can see our Savior there As He talked to His Father In earnest prayer He said, If it be Thy will, Lord Let this cup pass from me But if not, Lord satisfies me now if it satisfies you Lord then it satisfies me these few words may my prayer ever be if you'd have me on a mountain or in a valley on my knees either way Lord it satisfies me now the signs of the times they are on every hand and how my heart Longs to see the promised land If I go by the grave Or in the rapture Your face I see Either way, Lord It satisfies me Now if it satisfies you, Lord, then it satisfies me. These few words may my prayer ever be. If you'd have me on a mountain or in a valley on my knees, Either way 
satisfies me. Turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2. Verse number 8. And the Bible says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put man whom He had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out from Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. Let's skip over to verse number 16. The Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Genesis chapter number 2, this very familiar place in the Word of God to you, we find great truths that are found here in Genesis chapter number 1, Genesis chapter number 2, and Genesis chapter number 3, as the Lord laid in our Bible this morning a foundation as to what everything else would hinge on in the Word of God. And in Genesis chapter number 2, in the verses that I read, we find in verse number 8 that the Lord God made a garden in Edward and in Eden, and He put man therein. He made a garden that was perfect. He made a garden that was without curse and without sin. He made a place for man to dwell in that was unlike anything that you and I have ever seen or ever even could my friend begin to imagine in our minds a garden that is perfect. Everything that we have ever known as humans has been something that has been imperfect. Everything that we look at this morning is imperfect in some way or another. The most perfect thing that we can see with our feeble eyes, friends, still has imperfections in it. But the Lord God made a garden in Eden and that garden was perfect. And He put man in that garden. The Bible says, out of the ground made the Lord Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food, the tree of life in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want you to take special note this morning in the Word of God that the Bible says that in the Garden of Eden there were two specific trees. There was the tree of life and then there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. These are two specific trees and they are two different trees. My friend, they were both planted in this garden. Now there are many other trees in this garden that's been planted. Many other vegetation, many other things that God has planted for man to use in this garden. But he makes specific these two particular trees of the tree of life and of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he goes on over here into verse number 15. And the Bible says that the Lord God took man and put him in the garden to dress it and to keep it. And then he gives in verse number 16 and 17 a commandment, my friend. He says that the Lord God commanded the man saying that every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. My friend, that sounds pretty good on it. That God has made a perfect garden and God has given them rain over this garden and they are to dress it and to keep it and they may eat of every fruit of that garden except for one fruit and he says in verse number 17 but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. Now that's pretty plain instructions in the word of God. Thou shalt not eat of it. There are things in our life that God simply says to us that are very plain. He says thou shalt not eat of it. There are things in our life that we very well know that the commandment of the Lord is thou shalt not. God has given us things that are very specific for us not to do. My friend, the Bible goes on to say for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. There is no doubt about the fact that God has given these two individuals, Adam and Eve, as he creates her in a few verses. My friend, that God has given them a place of perfection. God 
has given them a place of beauty. God has given them a place of provision where everything they needed is provided for them. But my friend, God gives them this one commandment. My friend, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as sure as the goodness of God is in all that He has given them, that they can freely eat of every other tree, of every other fruit. They had access to the tree of knowledge. They had access to the tree of life. They could have eaten of the tree of life if they wanted to. My friend, they could have eaten of any other tree. But God gave them a commandment not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And just as sure as the goodness of God is, my friend, the severity of the punishment of eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is, friend, it was a sure thing that in the day they eat, they would surely die. The Bible goes on in chapter number 3. You find in verses number 18 through 25, those verses are devoted unto God giving Adam Eve. In that He took Adam and put him into a deep sleep and He took out of the rib out of his side and He made for Adam Eve. He made a helpmate for him and that Eve, my friend, would be the mother of all living. We go into chapter number 3 and we find here, I'm going to read some of these verses if you want to look on. And the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God and made and he said unto the woman yea hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden and the woman said unto the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God hath said ye shall not eat of it neither shall ye touch it lest ye die now I want to stop right there just a minute I want to say that ain't what God said Amen. Look back over in verse number 17. What did God say? He said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest of thou shalt surely die. Now, when Eve took the word of God here, she got a little misconstrued in it, and she said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. God never said she couldn't touch the tree. God just told her not to eat of it. Amen. And God didn't say, ye shall die, but God said, ye shall surely die. God said, there's no doubt about it. There's no way around it. There's no way you're going to bypass it. In the day that you eat of that fruit, ye shall surely die. Now, God had given them all this goodness and that they could freely eat of every other thing. But my friend Eve was concerned about that one tree. Amen. That tree, no doubt, the outside of it was just as beautiful as any other tree that had ever been. The fruit, no doubt, was just as pretty. And no doubt it was in season at this time. And it was just as beautiful as any fruit had ever been. My friend, I can imagine as she walked through the garden that day, my friend began to smell. Maybe even that fruit had an odor about it that smelled good, that attracted her to that tree. And we find that this old rascal Satan, he comes by in the form of a serpent as a subtle creature as somebody that she was not afraid of as something that she took no thought of danger in and friend he comes by to where she is and he begins to find a weak spot and he begins to find Eve in her weakness and he begins to deceive her that's how Satan works in your life I'm going somewhere with this if you'll hold on to me alright Satan always works in our life at our weakest point you may be here this morning and your weakest point is right now where you're at in your life. 
I want to say to you, you need to be on guard because if you've got a weak point in your life, Satan is looking for that avenue and he's looking for a way to enter in and he's looking for a way to deceive you. He would love to get you out of church. He would love to take your testimony and stomp it in the mud. He would love, my friend, to take you back to the old lifestyle you used to live. He would love his very best to get you the place where you are numb to what God's doing, where you are numb to the love of God and you are numb to the Spirit of God. Satan would love his very best to deceive you in such a way that you cannot feel the presence of a holy God. It's important for us as Christians to be on guard every moment, every second that we live, every moment that we wake. It is of utmost importance that we are on guard watching for those weak points in our lives, that we stand strong and contend for the faith. Friend, because it may be today that you're at your weakest point. It may be tomorrow that you're at your weakest point. But Satan is waiting and ready to get you in that time. He comes to Eve at her weakest point. Notice that he did not come to Adam first. Notice that Satan came to Eve. Notice that he came to the weaker vessel, as the Bible says, and he came to her and he began to take the Word of God and he began to misconstrue it. In verse number 4, he said, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. I can just hear him saying that, can't you? When we was in high school and boy, peer pressure would get rough and you'd want to do something that you knew that mom and daddy didn't approve of and you knew nobody else approved of, you knew that it would go against what God wanted you to do. There'd be a little voice come in your ear say, ah, oh, it ain't going to hurt you. You're not going to end up like those other folks. You can go out and party and you won't become an alcoholic. You can smoke one joint and you won't become a drug addict. You know what? That's the same voice that was standing in E's ear that said, Ye shall not surely die. That's the same voice that when you feel like laying out of church, you feel like I can miss a Wednesday night, I can miss a Sunday night, and they won't nobody notice. That's the same voice saying it's okay. You've had a hard week, you can rest tonight. That's the same voice that came to Eve in the Garden of Eden and said, Ye shall not surely die. Do you recognize that voice this morning? It's important for us to recognize that voice. When he says, ye shall not show, taking the Word of God and misconstruing it, putting doubt and casting doubt upon God's Word. When David said the Word of God was a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, David knew that the Word of God was something that would be founded forever. It was founded from the foundation of the world. And this very day and hour, it is ever settled in heaven. My friend, the Word of God will not change. Satan may try his best to get in your ear and say, ye shall not surely die and cast doubt upon the Word of God. But you can rest assured this morning that the Word of God will never fail. But it will always stand sure. And what God said was right will still be right. And what God said is wrong will still be wrong. And what God said is sin is still sin. Whether it was Old Testament or New Testament, what God said is sin is still sin. Now the handwritings in the ordinance of the law been nailed across the Calvary. We're not under those handwritings in the ordinance of the law. But the Ten Commandments, that's still sin, ain't it? Amen. Amen. Sin is still sin. Has not changed. But that old voice is still the same too. Ye shall not surely die. It'll be okay. It won't hurt you. 
He goes on down in verse number 5 and he said, For God doeth know that in the day you eat thereof that your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Satan takes a truth and he misconstrues it to the place where it looks like it's going to be a blessing. He makes something, my friend, that's going to be a detriment to the life of Eve and a detriment to the life of Adam and a detriment to the life of all of humanity. He takes something, friend, that is a truth and it's, my friend, it's a bad truth and he makes it look like it's going to be a blessing in her life, like it's going to take her further than she's ever been before. But in reality, it's going to take her lower than she's ever been before. Satan does that also. He'll take something in your life that may be a truth He'll take a concept or a doctrine that may be a truth. And my friend, but it may be a wrong doctrine. It may be a wrong truth. Do you realize this morning there's many things out there that are truth, but they are sinful truths. Amen? There's sinful things out there that are true, my friend, but they are sinful in their nature. And Satan takes them and makes them look like a good thing. And he blows them up makes them think you're going to get smarter than you've ever been. You're going to get gooder than you've ever been. You're going to look prettier than you've ever looked. You're going to go further than you've ever went before. But my friend, in reality, he's dragging you one by one to the pits of the devil's hell. He goes on, verse number 6, And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, it was in season, it was ripe, and then it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof by a tree. This fruit upon this tree, Eve sees it in season. It's pretty and it looks good. Young people's sin is always going to look good. Sin's always going to be in season. Sin is always going to be ripe and ready for the taking. But you must remember that God's Word still stands sure. Even because that looks good, sin don't look like a rotten apple hanging on a tree. Now I'm not saying this morning that was an apple hanging on a tree, but I'm just saying whatever kind of fruit it was, it was not rotten. It looked good. Sin will always look good. That boy you don't need to be with or that girl you don't need to be with, they're always going to look good in your eyes because Satan is going to paint a pretty picture and he's going to try his best to blind you from reality. That boy, woman, man, or girl, my friend that you've been thinking about messing around with, I want you to know, honey, what's on the inside of that, that outside covering is nothing but destruction and detriment in your life. Honey, it's going to cause you, my friend, to owe a debt that you can't pay. It's going to cause your friend to be in a shape that you never dreamed you would be. Looks good on the outside. That alcohol or that little drug or maybe just that little thought that's been strewing in your mind, that lust that's been building up on the inside of you. Honey, on the outside, it's always going to look good. But we know and we realize that it's going to cause so much harm. He saw that fruit and she took of that fruit. Why? Because she was deceived. She was beguiled. She took the Word of God. Now, I shared this with the class this morning, but think about this. If Eve had a Bible, it would have been two verses. Amen. Verse number 16 17. It would have been two verses. Of every tree you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat, for in the day thou eatest, thou shalt surely die. She had a Bible with two verses, yet she still couldn't quote it right. Amen? It's of utmost importance this morning that we get it right. 
And we get God's word right and we nail it down right. That's how we get deceived. It's when we misconstrue God's word. When we take a little bit out to suit us. Or we add a little bit here to suit what we're doing. I heard a statement one time said, if you want to know what kind of sin your preacher's doing, just find out what he ain't preaching on. And that's what he's doing. So honey, I'm going to try my best to preach on everything coming and going. I'm going to try my best to preach from Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to preach hell hot and heaven sweet. I mess up my friend just like you do. But I know where it opens fashion altar is. I know where to get down on my knees and say, Lord, I've sinned and come for the glory of God. Just because I'm saved by the grace of God, carry a Bible under my arm. Just because I'm the pastor of Savannah Baptist Church don't mean I'm perfect. But honey, I realize where I go to when I get in a bad way, in a bad shape. I get in an old-fashioned altar and ask God to forgive me. And I'm glad this morning I've got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, that is faithful and true when I ask. And when I I confess uh, that he will forgive my sin. Uh, and you know what? If he'll do it for me, uh, honey, he'll do it for you. Uh, don't think that you went too far too long uh, because God is a forgiving God. Uh, it'll take your sin. Uh, it don't matter how many times uh, you've made promises or, or statements. Uh, it don't matter how many times you went back and wallowed in it. Uh, God is still a forgiving God. Uh, God still loves you. Uh, that's why you're here this morning uh, because he's a holy God uh, and loves you without measure loves you more than anybody's ever loved you that's why you're not in hell this morning because Jesus loves you that fruit was good to look at he took of that fruit she eat of it now before this in the last verse in chapter number 2 the Bible says and they were naked now they were naked physically but spiritually they were clothed spiritually speaking they were clothed in the Shekinah glory of God there was no scene of their nakedness because the glory of God was so thick around them. They were clothed. The very moment that Eve took of that fruit, she began to eat of that, that glory left. That glory left like that. You realize that your power with God can leave like that. Your glory can leave like that. Your touch of God on your life can leave like that. Now there's a span of time. I don't know how long it is. It may be seconds. It may be minutes. It may be hours. But that glory has left Eve. But Adam is still clothed in that glory. Amen. Eve standing there. She eats of that fruit. It leaves just like that. Adam's still standing here in the glory of God. Eve stands there with that apple. Hand outstretched. Adam's standing there in the glory of God. I can just imagine and see in the theater of my mind as Eve is standing there in her nakedness, in her shame, in her disobedience before God. Adam standing here still clothed in the glory of God. Can you imagine what was running through his mind? Here he looks at this beautiful thing that God has given him a help need. And my friend, the, time, the span of time, I don't know how long they were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned, but my friend, however long they was there together, they had been knit together because Eve had been made out of Adam. And no doubt she, he loved her with a love that was uncomparable because God had literally taken her out of his side and God had made her out of him. So there was a love there between those two. And God had given Eve unto Adam and so he loved her he began to look at that one whom he loved and he realizes that there's a difference now. her glory's gone 
We can't have the same relationship we have. The glory's gone. And Adam looks at himself. You say, preach, what are you getting at? Scripture says in 1 Timothy, the Bible says that Eve was deceived, being found the transgression. You'll never find in your Bible where Adam was deceived. Amen? You'll never find it. Adam looked at himself. He looked at Eve. He looked at himself. He looked at Eve. Maybe he opened up that little two-verse Bible. He looked at the commandment of God. And he knew, he willfully knew, that if he took that fruit out of her hand and he began to eat of that, he knew that that glory would leave him just like it did Eve. He knew that he would be under the condemnation of a holy God. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, he knew what he was doing. Willfully, he reached out that hand. He ate of that fruit. He became made in the likeness of Eve. Lost that Shekinah glory. Lost his power with God. You know the story. The Bible goes on. The Bible tells us, amen, about how they made fig leaves and all that sort of stuff. The Bible goes on to tell us how that God made them a promise. God made them a promise that there would be a seed that would come out of their loins. And that that seed, my friend, would, that it would bruise the, the heel of the woman, but the, that seed would stomp the head of that serpent. God made a promise that day and that hour of redemption. God took a lamb, killed it, made a coat of skins out of it. You say, praise, how do you know it's a lamb? Well, just by, through the Word of God, God always used a lamb, didn't He? God ain't going to change it up the first time. I don't believe God took anything else. I believe God took a lamb. God made a coat of skins that was sufficient for their covering. You read in Genesis chapter number 4, the Bible says that Adam knew Eve and they conceived and bare a child. And when Cain and Abel was born, Cain was born first, Eve said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. She was excited. She was happy. There ain't been many of you women been in childbirth and been happy about it. You may have been happy after the baby was born, but you wasn't happy while it's going on. Honey, Eve was tickled absolutely to death. You say, why? Because she knew that God had made them a promise that there would be a seed to come. And when that seed came, that was an answer to the promise of God. That was an answer to what God said He would give. You see, out of their very own loins, on down through the ages of time, God sent a seed. God would send another lamb. God would provide redemption for mankind. So, by a tree in the Garden of Eden, mankind failed. By a tree, all of humanity became made in the nature of sin. Romans chapter number 6, the Bible speaks of that thought. Romans chapter number 5, excuse me, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all is sin. For under the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when we, there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Now get this, who is the figure of him that was to come. Adam was a figure of him that was to come. I'm preaching slow this morning so you get this. Adam was a figure of him that was to come. By a tree in the garden, mankind failed. Some 2,000 years ago, God planted a hill, a tree on a hill called Calvary. God took the darling Lamb of God that came out of the very seed of Eve and of Adam. My friend, the God-man, 
Jesus himself that was made in the likeness of our sinful flesh, yet he did not sin. He was God manifested in the flesh and by a tree on Calvary's brow. Friend, he suffered, bled, and died there. He suffered on that cross with agony beyond compare. He was beaten and mocked, his beard plucked from among his face. Crown of thorns beat down around his head. Blood running from the top to the very bottom of his body. Friend, him nailed there, couldn't even breathe without picking himself up on them old rusty nails. My friend, that old nail, that old back that had been scarred and marred, rubbing up against that old rough hewn cross. My friend, every fiber of his being ached with pain. He said the strong bulls of Bashan had raised upon his back. They had made long their furrows. Friend, the pain and the suffering that he went through was far beyond compare. But by a tree man fell in the garden. But by a tree on the hill called Calvary, God redeemed mankind by the second Adam. Friend, Adam was after the similitude, the one that was to come. Jesus himself became exactly like Adam was in that he seen us as Eve. Friend, that one that had been taken, you see the Bible says that we were made in the image of God. Friend, we were made in the likeness of God. My friend, God loved us because we were made in his image. We are essentially a part of God. But my friend, when we fail in sin, God looked at us and Jesus looked at us and he realized the only way that we could ever be redeemed would be for him to be made in our life. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to hear this message in its entirety or join us in one of our services, find us on Facebook or visit us at our website at oldsavannah.org. And we would like to give you a personal invitation to come and be in one of our services on Sunday morning at 10 and 11 a.m., 6 p.m. on Sunday evening, and 7 p.m. on Wednesday night as we travel verse by verse through the book of John. We're located at 138 Sutton Branch Road in Silva, North Carolina.